Imagine growing up low income, working your way into law school, getting your education, and becoming a prosecutor. Coming back to your home city, ready to get to work, and this is what happens. My first day coming back to San Francisco as an attorney, uh, and I came back to the DA's office, uh, and I was the first African-American that the office had hired in five years. This is Paul Henderson. He was at the very beginning of his career. I was so excited because I had stayed up the whole night preparing my cases, which was, this was my dream job, to be on the side, having an active role in the administrative process of justice. The judge came out, and the courtroom was filled. And the judge told me, wait, you're not allowed to talk until your lawyer gets here. No. You can't just come up here and start talking till your lawyer has to represent you. And by the way, you are sitting on the side where the DA sits. The prosecutor is at that table, so you really don't want to be there. And you know how you have one of those, like Oprah would say, an aha moment. And rather than feel ashamed, rather than feel embarrassed, it was a shift almost into hyperdrive of, oh, I need to show you who I am. I need to define myself in a bigger way so that you understand who I am and what my role is and what I'm trying to do. And more importantly, this whole experience has nothing to do with me and my deficits or something lacking from me. This is a reflection on you, Judge, and this is a reflection on you, courtroom, and people that are here to feel bad. You should feel the shame. You should be embarrassed. You should want to do better. And it's my role to try and make that clear to you. He held his tongue, but it was a turning point for him. And that was really how I began, literally from day one, after I left court and the judge apologized and we just moved on to all of the stuff, is that I felt like I need to be bigger. I need to say more. Henderson did exactly that. He's now a top city official. I am the executive director of the Department of Police Accountability. I'm Laura Wenis. This week, I'm talking with Henderson about the experiences that led this San Francisco native into public service and how he's pushing the city toward racial equity, especially in law enforcement, which has a troubling record of racial disparities. From the San Francisco Chronicle's SF Next project, this is Fixing Our City. For Paul Henderson, the key to figuring out what was going on in this city, and in government in general, was education. I grew up right off of 3rd Street on Gilman, near Candlestick Park. Uh, my mother was a public defender here in the city. My grandmother worked for the federal government as a civil rights investigator on Market Street. And, you know, for me, even as a child, I always had a sense that things happened to my community rather than for my community. And I never understood that. I really wanted to know why rules were made, how things happened to people, specifically disenfranchised communities. And in a city like San Francisco, it seemed more important than ever that we address or at least understand why there's such a vast gap between 
the experience that communities of color, the LGBT community, the trans community, immigrant community, why their experiences are so different from the things that typically would make this city great. That was really a driving force for me. And to me, the answer and the solution was education. I really wanted to learn. Eventually, that focus led him to law school. Law school for me was like taking the red pill in the matrix and really having a broader understanding of how the rules worked in the society that I lived in that I never understood because it had never been presented to me in that way. And my lens that I approached those rules, those laws, that education was one that was reflective of my own experiences as a person with very little means and as a person of color. Coming back to San Francisco came with some eye-opening experiences. Like that first day in court you heard about earlier. That galvanized Henderson. He wanted to do something about the discrimination and inequality he saw around him. I only tell the story to try and encourage people that if you see something wrong or if you see something that could be right, either, to raise your voice and to say something. You get nothing out of going home. You get nothing out of noting it and moving along because then you're part of the problem. You are part of the institutionalization that creates and maintains problems for others that you've already recognized and didn't do anything about it. Racial disparities in police stops persist. As The Chronicle recently reported, in California as a whole, Black people were far more likely to be stopped than people of other races, disproportionately to their share of the population. The disparity was the worst in San Francisco. Black people were nearly six times more likely to be stopped by police than white residents in 2020. Officers were also far more likely to use force on Black people, or stop them and search them, than any other race. Police Chief Bill Scott acknowledged the department's struggles when these findings came out. He said things might change after the police adapt their traffic enforcement policies. Henderson made his way onto the hiring committee at the district attorney's office to try to improve the diversity of their new hires. He served under several different district attorneys, initiating new reforms and programs. Later, he became an advisor to Mayor Ed Lee. He's a sought-after lecturer and media guest, and now he's running a city department. But that doesn't mean he's putting aside his experiences with discrimination. Whenever I lecture, whenever I talk, I like to remind audiences that I've been detained and arrested eight times. And for what I've been arrested for, the last time I was arrested was while I was chief prosecutor for a gang murder at gunpoint by people that I knew in a suit. And I didn't do any of these things. There's always a presumption of like, well, you did something or you shouldn't have been in this environment, or you've been hanging with the wrong people, which is why I like to talk about it. I have as many degrees as you do, if not more. I was a prosecutor. I made the right choices. I went to the right schools. I did not sit in those environments just waiting to make myself a suspect. It was racism, and we have to be able to call racism what it is. And I always will use myself as an example because I've had these experiences and I am not unique. Everyone I know has experiences that are negative, that should not have happened. And until we start dealing with those issues, until we start dealing with those institutions and start unpacking those practices and trying to come up with a solution to a new definition that's race neutral, then we're part of the problem. That's just the truth. 
In his current post, Henderson is still working in a way with the criminal justice system, but now he's investigating police. The Department of Police Accountability that he directs has been around in some form since the 80s. In 1982, voters approved a charter amendment that created the Office of Citizen Complaints. It operated under the city's police commission, an oversight body for the police department. But police conduct really came into the spotlight in 2015. Over the course of three years, SFPD officers had shot and killed 11 people, nine of them people of color. Then two sets of racist and homophobic text messages exchanged between officers came to light. In spring of 2016, five activists went on a 17-day hunger strike in front of Mission Police Station, calling for police chief Greg Sur's resignation over shootings. Days later, after officers killed another person, a woman inside a car, the chief did resign. I have asked Chief Sir for his resignation. And in the best interest of the city that he loves so much, he tendered his resignation early today. Before he resigned, the police chief and city leaders had asked the Department of Justice to review SFPD's practices. The ensuing report identified problems with the department's use of force, bias, recruitment, hiring, and more. It specifically said the department wasn't doing enough documentation and tracking. The DOJ made 272 recommendations to reform the SFPD. The year that report came out, another ballot measure won over voters. This one renamed the Office of Citizen Complaints to the Department of Police Accountability. The measure also took the department's budget out of the police budget. So these days, the Department of Police Accountability receives and investigates complaints of police misconduct. It looks into cases when an officer shoots someone. It audits police practices. And there's lots to do. In 2021, the department issued 146 policy recommendations. That year, the department closed 885 complaints about officers and found improper police conduct in 11% of them. The national average is 4%. In many ways, San Francisco has made progress on these issues. It's got an updated policy that outlines what kind of force officers can use and when. That's something Paul Henderson says most agencies don't have, which means they have no restrictions on acts that San Francisco considers too dangerous. Carotid holds, for example, which can be and have been deadly, or shooting at vehicles, or no-knock searches, which San Francisco limits but doesn't forbid entirely. San Francisco aspires to something called 21st century policing. This is a reference to an Obama-era task force identifying best practices for law enforcement. The DOJ review I mentioned earlier is also based on the concept of 21st century policing. But Henderson says we can't rely on federal guidance to make change. We also need to be conscious and aware of the fact that we don't have the luxury of waiting for the federal government to fix this for us. I mean, many of these conversations and many of these solutions have already been codified at the federal government level in 21st century policing in the Department of Justice, but they're all aspirational. They're not institutional. Organizations can learn about them, but they don't have to follow them. Other critics also pointed this out about the 272 DOJ recommendations for the SFPD when those came out. There's no enforcement mechanism. Still, to date, the police department says it's completed 90% of them. Henderson wants local governments to take a more active role in figuring out and enforcing best practices. Where's our responsibility to take up that mantle and make those changes at a local level? 
why can't we do that at the county level? Why can't we make demands at a city level and start institutionalizing these solutions that we already know exist and interpreting them at a local level? I mean, I sort of want to reflect it back on you. Yeah, why, why can't we? I think we can. Hear what he thinks it's going to take after a break. I've been talking with Paul Henderson, director of the Department of Police Accountability. He says local governments can't wait for federal recommendations on police reform to implement themselves. Instead, he says municipalities can and should institutionalize those solutions. It's just we have to get out of our own way and stop fighting with each other. I think the same problems that we see in Washington, D.C., we have here at a local level, and we are so busy fighting about political parties and approaches that it's hard for us to focus on the solutions beyond just who's proposing it and what side are they on. And I will say, you know, for policing specifically, I'm trying to be more specific about things. DPA recommends, I don't know, hundreds of recommendation every single year. And our recommendations are evidence-based. We don't just make them up. We have a whole policy team that looks at allegations and complaints that are actually made, sustained cases that are actually validated to come up with recommendations to be adopted from the police commission and with the department. And then we hold the department accountable for those things. I mean, civilian oversight is the solution towards reform and accountability. In San Francisco, that civilian oversight happens at the police commission, which can decide to adopt policies that Henderson's department recommends. He wants to see systems like that expanded. I just gave an interview last week in Maryland where civilian oversight is mandatory now for every county. So they have to create it. I'd love to see stuff like that in California. I'd love to leverage the work nationwide and statewide and locally, regionally, to continue doing reforms and accountability so that we don't have to recreate the wheel with every concept and every idea. And I think that's part of the problem. But we only get there to that collaborative approach by having conversations and working with people that may not look like us, that may not have come from our backgrounds, that may have been prosecutors, that may have been defense attorneys or having defense approaches that could have been Republican or could have been independent or Green Party. But these issues, in my opinion, transcend parties. Henderson wants more people at the table when it comes to determining how exactly the SFPD will implement its reforms. In processes like this, what he says he wants to see is collaboration across differences of opinion. And oftentimes we have a false choice in the conversations where people feel like, well, do you want the reform or do you just want the accountability? And you must have both. There is no value in coming up with these aspirational reform ideas if you're not going to hold the individual officers and or the departments accountable for those rules. You can't have one without the other. And the way to get to them is to demand better policies, to build better policies. And and that's the real challenge. But I think it's, you know, it's a conversation that we need to have. It's not just law enforcement that has to grapple with racism, Henderson says. Criminal justice as a whole, jury selection, sentencing, probation. But it goes beyond that. I think it's really easy to get polarized and say, like, well, it's messy. 
I don't know what we do with the homeless problem. I, I, I don't know what we do with substance abuse. I don't know what we do with mental health. And those are just social ills. But why? Why are they social ills that we have to walk away from and allow whatever is going to happen to have happen? How did we get to this point where we allow police to be the first responders for social issues like the ones that I've just identified. I think the real challenge is how do we start approaching solutions and what can the average person do? Because I think that's also a, a backdoor that people say is like, well, I'm not the executive director of DPA. I wasn't Kamala Harris's chief. And I don't think that that is the key or the magic that empowers someone to make a difference. I think that Average people can make a difference and there are tools and guides and ways to do that. People can do today to start making a difference. And that's the kind of thing that I get excited about, that I want to inspire, that I want to collaborate with. And for a city like San Francisco, I think it's important to have those conversations because yeah. this is, you know, it's, it's like a tale of two cities in San Francisco. How do we start to address that? I mean, I guess the first question is, has San Francisco made improvements on addressing its own racism over the years? And if yes or no, how do we do it? People ask me that all the time. What could we be doing? And I was like, I don't know. I can give you a 10, 15 million things you could be doing. Why don't you start if you feel like you don't know? trying to find a voice of authority that you like, that you think is clever, that you think is smart, that you think may have the answers and start following that person. Become their friend on Facebook. Follow them on Twitter. Listen to what they have to say and try and listen to someone that if you think that is palatable that you can listen to that doesn't agree with you. Let's just say, for example, race disparities in policing or in our criminal justice system. Why not start with asking your jurisdiction to publish their race encounters? Why not ask them to publish or tell you what their use of force policies are? That's really easy, low-hanging fruit. And if you're not demanding answers from your mayor, from your chief of police, then how do we expect them to just reform themselves on their own and to better serve all societies? to redefine public safety. It doesn't just happen. San Francisco does now publish its police use of force policy, as well as use of force statistics. We have to look at race in new ways that isn't aspirational. We have to try and institutionalize changes and be a part of those changes in order to make these cities better. And, you know, those were just really easy examples of small things that people can do that it costs you nothing to send an email to ask your department, your chief, your mayor, your board of supervisors, your whomever, what is our use of force policy? Why don't you know? And here's why it matters. It's your policy. Make it transparent. Let's just tell us. Why haven't you prioritized fixing it? He wants people who don't feel like they have had a voice in these conversations to chime in. And he wants to be the one to bring them to the table. I think there are more people on the sidelines that are concerned. And I feel like it's my job to try and bring along the folks on the sidelines saying things are terrible and that shouldn't happen. Well, let's talk about it. What can happen? What is possible? And it's also empowering for disenfranchised communities to move away from victimization to articulate what their actual needs are or to validate what their experiences have been and why are they happening to challenge why it's been happening. Ask that question. Demand an answer. People are being paid to give you the outcomes that you're getting. 
Why is that? And how much are you paying for that? Other people are living very different lives in the very city that you're walking along. And if you just switch and go and walk up that block, you'll see those experiences happening. You'll understand how those differences are taking place. And you have to ask yourself why. That's part of the answer. That's part of the solution. Those conversations where people start to figure out what they haven't understood about others' experiences and toss around ideas, that's what keeps Henderson optimistic. I don't have the answer for everything, but I know that I have uh, the passion about trying to move towards an answer. And I'm not afraid to try different things in order to get to solutions that I think we need to try and find. We actually have a similar philosophy. Fixing Our City is part of the San Francisco Chronicle's SF Next project, where we explore how the city will chart its future and address its biggest challenges. And we want to check out your ideas. Do you have a solution that you want the city to pursue? Do you know someone who's making a difference on an important issue? Send an email to sfnext at sfchronicle.com. You can also DM us on Twitter. We're at sfnext. I'm Laura Wenis. Next week on Fixing Our City, when COVID hit, the Mission District was seeing disproportionate cases and not enough testing. A neighborhood coalition that was built up to make tests accessible has become a comprehensive resource hub with big plans for the future. We'll see you next week. Cynthia Lopez produces and reports for Fixing Our City. Gary Baca is our sound engineer. King Kaufman is the executive producer. Jonathan Krim is the SF Next project editor. This is Fixing Our City.